whatever your thing is, I believe life's way too short. And you know that people say that all the time, but life's way too short not to be happy. And I, 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 I have this genuine belief in my being that we're, we're supposed to go out and achieve great things and, and, and do different things and try different things. Right. And sometimes we're going to fail. Sometimes we're going to succeed, but it's, it's a road along the way. And we just got to, you know, deal with those speed bumps and, and get over them. Hey, I'm Jordan Harding. I grew up watching my dad put on that suit and tie every morning and go out to successfully climb the corporate ladder. I thought I wanted to be him, but I was wrong. I needed to be me. To do that, I had conversations with incredible people to learn how they figured out this whole thing called life. I learned how they overcome adversity and pick themselves up when they've been knocked down. Now, I'm sharing those discussions with you so you can apply those same learnings to your life. Welcome to It's Not a Straight Line. Today on It's Not a Straight Line, I'm here with Jason Taylor. Jason is a president. He's a leadership coach. He's a professional speaker that works with companies on their talent strategy. And as he described it to me, strategy to results through people. Jason has three boys. Um, you know, we, well, we also spoke a little bit about how he uses meditation to ground his, himself. I'm really excited to get into this conversation and speak to Jason about talent optimization, about the predictive success company, and just about people overall within an organization, because we all know people drive results. And we know today more than ever, there seems to be uh, this whole discussion around people and quiet quitting and, oh, I can't find the right people. And, oh, there's a talent shortage. So like really pumped up to have the, this discussion. So Jason, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Jordan. Jason, you, uh, you are a principal at uh, the Predictive Success Company, and you, uh, you also are a consultant slash coach, and that's how you partner up with the Predictive Success Company. But your whole career, it looks like started in um, the beer business. You know, it looks like 13 years at Labatt a little small company there. And then a lot of experience with Kara, which is now a recipe in, in the hospitality food space. Like how do you uh, describe your career journey when people ask you about it? Yeah. Excellent question. And you know, you're the, the name of the podcast is not a straight line. How, how true is that? I started at Labatt uh, back when I was uh, young and uh, you know, worked up my way through the ranks there, did a whole bunch of stuff, uh, sales, um, you know, some marketing stuff, led sales teams, led key accounts, uh, those kind of functions. Uh, after that, I actually uh, kind of kept on that line. I was still in the alcohol business. I went to Diageo after that. Same thing, just went and moved from beer to spirits and wine. Had a great, uh, great time there, some great leaders. And then I just kind of wanted to go to the other side. You know, I was always part of the uh, supplier side to hospitality. And I thought, what would it be like to be on the hospitality side? Uh, so I went to Kara. And uh, was, again, had the opportunity to work with some great leaders and uh, uh, was able to head up uh, their Montana's, uh, Kelsey's division through operations, took care of some things then. And then, honestly, uh, Jordan, it was, it was the entrepreneur came out of me. And that's when I said, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was uh, tired of the corporate thing. I would say, though, that I was, I needed something else, Right. I thought corporate moved too slow and I thought that um, I just needed to be more innovative and agile. So that's when I, I actually left corporate and I opened up a, 
a bunch of franchises in Canada called Firehouse Subs. Did that. And then uh, I was uh, approached by Predictive Success at that time. So David, the founder of Predictive Success, asked me to come, uh, you know, work for him. And I actually said, how about I work with you? We figured that out along the way. What does that mean? Right. And uh, yeah, I've been able to create, you know, especially for the the listeners of this podcast, I've been able to create better work, better world for myself. Where what I mean when I say that is it, it doesn't feel like work, right? It, it, it just feels like, hey, this is what I do. So I don't get up in the morning on a Monday and think, oh, it's Monday. Oh, it's Tuesday. How long till Friday? I actually on Friday think, wow, perfect. It's only two days till Monday and we're at it again, right? So I've been able to create that world for myself. And yeah, David and the, and the team have, have helped me do that as well. So that's that's kind of how I got to predictive success. So I didn't realize uh, TAC Hospitality, is that what it was when you were opening up the firehouse sub mm-hmm. location? Yeah, yeah. One of the... Uh, one of my colleagues at uh, Kara said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to do this." And uh, yeah, what a what a what your stomach kind of turns there when you have this nice corporate check and you have the cars and you have everything. And hey, how about you throw that all out the window and why don't you start something totally different, right? And uh, that's what I did. And uh, you know, I I had a a discussion with myself and my family and all that and said, "Yeah, I, we can do this," right? And just decided to do it. And uh, I my profile <laughs> because that's what I do is profiles and. And I'm very, I'm very much a risk taker, right? I'm very much a, um, let's try it out. I would say calculated risk taker, not, not, I'm not just going to jump in and do something ridiculous, but I'll do something and say, Hey, are we still going to be okay at the end of it? And if we are, I'll, I'll try something new. And, and thank goodness I do that because it's really made for, a an interesting path and, and it makes me, um, explore different things and not, you know, not worry as much as uh, other people would worry. I just kind of think we'll figure it out. Does that make sense? I know it sounds a little easy, but it it makes sense to me. It does make sense. So was that role, was it more entrepreneurial or is that company a, a larger company that still provided you some of the so-called security that a big company like Kara would provide? No, it was totally entrepreneurial. It was our company. Right. So it was, uh, yeah, it was myself and my partner at the time's company. And we just said, let's, let's do it. And we jumped in with both feet. You know, we're, we're big believers in not feeling the cold water, just kind of jump in and let it warm up around you once you get in there. And, and uh, we do that. And so far, knock on wood, we, we've been pretty successful in what we've, we've been able to accomplish. And, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell you this, Jordan. Right? There were some sleepless nights and there were some nights where, you you kind of think to yourself, what have I done? What am I doing? But you just kind of bring yourself back and you say, this is why I did it. This is why I'm doing it. And it's going to work out. And when you do that, you create that better life for yourself. That's awesome. So with Firehouse and taking the risk, like where were you at in your life at that time? Did you already have kids and, and a wife or was that earlier on? Yeah, no, I, I had a full fledged family. Yeah, so I uh, I was fortunate enough. I've been I've been I've done okay with investments and you know making sure that uh, I have always had other interests in real estate and and stuff like that. So I knew that there was always a hey, if I had to sell a condo or I had to sell a house, could do that right to 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 kind of catch my fall if if I needed to right. But uh, yeah, no, it was one of those, let's do it. And I'm a big, big, big believer in be happy, right? And it's uh, it's not always easy to get to that happy state, 
right? And what I mean by that is, is sometimes you totally have to shift and do something totally different. I, I was talking to a client the other day, owns his own company, you know, does very, very well, but his, his happiness is painting, right? Mm. And yeah. And he's actually, he's actually saying, you know, how do I, how do I switch and get there? Now I may not be switching, get there and make money, but how can I divert, get more shares sold, get some money and, and, and paint. Right. And, you know, whatever your thing is, I believe life's way too short. And you know, that people say that all the time, but life's way too short not to be happy. And I, 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 I have this genuine belief in my being that we're, we're supposed to go out and achieve great things and, and, and do different things and try different things. Right. And sometimes we're going to fail. Sometimes we're going to succeed, but it's, it's a road along the way. And we just got to, you know, deal with those speed bumps and, and get over them. For sure. And, and I think you said it, you know, it's, it's be happy. Life's way too short. And it's not just saying that it's trying to be like intentional with that. And it's something I've been trying to work on for the last yeah. few years. Yeah. You talked about Jason, you know, a few, you know, there were sleepless nights when you started on the entrepreneurial path, some of them, you know, is, is there something early on where you learned a big lesson about entrepreneurship or, you know, things didn't go exactly how you and your partner, your business partner at the time thought they may go? Sure. Yeah. It, the one thing I'd say that I learned, the biggest thing I learned with what's number one on your list is not number one on their list. So, and what I mean by that is when somebody says, hey, I'm going to be a client or, hey, I'm going to uh, do this for you. When you hear that as an entrepreneur, when you're you, you just get jacked, you're just like, all right, we're in. This is great. But you don't realize that they're they're part of another company. You know, they have to get some approvals, they have to talk to people and whatnot. So when they say, Hey, this is gonna happen, and you think it's gonna happen tomorrow, that really means you know, two months, three months away. So I find as an entrepreneur, you have to uh you you have to have patience, right? Mm. But the key button there is you can't be patient enough that you don't drive your business, right? You, you need to drive your business. So you have to, there's this real kind of fine line that you walk to push things along, move things along. But at the same time, don't be that person that, you know, you you almost come across as desperate and you, 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 you come across as you need it, right? So there's a real fine line there. That was the biggest thing I had to learn with entrepreneurship. I just, you know, when I make a decision, I make a decision, right? And everybody's different, right? So it, it was the the waiting game uh, that was really hard for me to adjust to, right? That was the that was the one. And then the other part I would say is partners, right? So every partnership starts with, you know, we're best friends, we're buddies, we're going to get along forever. You know, nothing's ever going to go wrong. We're never going to disagree, right? But that's just not true. That's not that we're everybody's different. What affects you affects me differently. What what makes you mad might not make me mad, but you still have every right to be mad at something or to be upset with something. So dealing with partnerships, because they have, you know, money in the game too. They have skin in the game. You know, it, you, you really have to make sure you're, you, uh, you really map out that partnership ahead of time. And, you know, I, and you have to do the, the prep stuff. You have to make sure there's shareholders agreements. And because we always think we're going to get along just, just as marriage and divorce, right? Everybody yes. thinks they're going to be married forever, right? And, and you know, this is going to last for eternity. And unfortunately, a lot of them don't, right? So that's the one thing I learned. Be prepared, be smart, and uh, have patience. Be prepared, be smart, and have patience. And I yeah. think the patience one there you mentioned is so, so yeah. key. You mentioned something about decisions. You know, you make a decision and you, you've made it. 
how has that kind of evolved for you over over your career and life or has that always been uh who jason is jordan i would say it's in my dna for sure right so i i, I take action on decisions <laughs> hey sometimes that's burned me right so <laughs> I'm not. How, gonna, how does your wife feel about that all the time? Oh yeah, she loves it, right? She's yeah. I take action pretty fast, right? And uh, you know that that's what I mean about patience. Sometimes I have to sit back and just uh, probably reflect and digest a little more before I move. But I always say, what your biggest strength is is also one of your biggest blind spots. So that's a strength for me, mm. but it's also a blind spot for sure, right? Where I have to kind of slow down, you know, and just think it through a bit longer before I actually move, uh, move with it. Right. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it's definitely a benefit. It's actually helped me get to where I am today, right. Making decisions, taking action, feeling uncomfortable, you know, uh, and I, one of my favorite sayings is get comfortable being uncomfortable. I love that one. Right. And, you know, when you kind of get into that zone where it kind of feels a little iffy and you, you're, you're not, it doesn't feel so secure, man, the, the, the stuff that happens in that zone is amazing, right? You learn, you, you experience, you uh, take chances because you're forced to take chances. You, uh, you know, you survive, right? You'll try different things. When you get in that zone, it's amazing how, how, how your life can shift in that zone, as opposed to, as opposed to just kind of being comfortable and doing the the status quo that everybody's doing. You know, we, you and I had a conversation earlier mm -hmm. and it's, it really hit me when you said people are on this path and it's always a comparison, right? It, it's always, uh, wow, this, this, this guy, my best buddy's getting paid this right now. He got promoted to VP. Why am I a director? Why did he get SVP? Now I'm VP. Why, the, you know, his car's better. How did they afford the cottage? They're making as much money as us. Uh, you know, you know, and you and I kind of wanted to get out of that zone and just focus on, you know, my unit, right? Focus on, you know, this under this household. And and it's amazing when you when you actually just start focusing on what you can affect in your mindset, it's amazing how fast it happens. And and so how long did it take you to kind of get to that point of like, I'm gonna focus on, on my unit, or or was that rather early on? It's it's a constant journey. Right. Yeah. It still it still happens. Right. It, it, we're, we're human beings. And and it, now it's just different. Now you'll see another, you know, consultant slash coach, uh, you know, doing something or having a client. And you're like, oh, I would have loved that client. Why don't I have that client? Right. So it's still something you have to constantly work at. I don't think you'll ever say, OK, that's all I you know worry about is just my unit. But as long as you're making steps to control your focus and control what your where your mind shifts and where you go you'll be better off i wanted to bring it back to something you said uh earlier in our discussion you were just speaking about you know how on fridays you have a great feeling now of like yeah i get some downtime and then back into it monday back at it you know your journey probably as an entrepreneur has changed over time in terms of hours and how you balance Etc. You know, by that comment, do you try as best you can to really put work aside over the weekend and then jump back in on Monday? Or are you kind of all in still all days of the week if you have to be? I guess yeah, you, so, be, you would. Yeah, that's a great question. I I um I would say on the weekends I slow down. I think I would be uh I, I wouldn't be telling the whole truth if I said I shut down Saturday and Sunday. I just that's not my makeup, 
right? That's not how my that's not how my DNA works. Uh, I I actually enjoy work, so it's not. I don't feel like it's work. I don't feel like oh I'm I'm doing something for work. I feel like oh I'm just doing something that helps my life and I that I love doing. Working with people, coaching people, getting organizations to look at their talent differently, right? So I would say my week is pretty. It's jammed Monday to Friday, jammed, uh, and then Saturday and Sunday I kind of do a, a, a like. It's almost like I go through the the school zone. You know, I go through. I go. I start doing 40, 40 kilometers an hour as opposed to eighty. And I just kind of coast and enjoy, look at things a little differently, send a few emails in the morning. I ponder, I think I'm a big thinker. I like to, yeah. um, on Sundays, I like to plan my week. Where am I going? What have I done? What's working? What's not working? And then Monday, I'm, I'm back at it. So, you know, the listener might not know, but you're a Bills fan. So do you do that big thinking before the Bills game or do you wait until after the, the 1 p.m. game's over before you get into that? <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> I, I, I would say, I would say I do the thinking usually um, I'll tell you exactly my schedule. Usually Sunday mornings as I do my thinking time, I, I'm a big reader on, uh, on Sunday mornings, articles, magazines, you know, mm-hmm. just scouring the, the internet and looking for, I, I, I love, uh, I'm a subscriber to the Harvard business review. They have an excellent amount of loads of articles in there that I just love. I do that stuff. I touch base with some clients and then I do get ready for the bills and uh, kind of shut it off at that point. Right. So, and then I, and then I just kind of coast and we have a nice dinner on Sunday night and then try to try to relax, catch the new Netflix show, whatever that is at the time. Uh, and, and then go to bed early. Oh, that's great. Well, you've got hashtag talent optimizer on your LinkedIn. You know, we spoke about, I think your comment was strategy to results through people. So let's get into that. I believe four years ago, you, you started uh, partnering with the predictive success corporation and you made a comment. uh, You know, I think it's, is it, is it Dan that leads the company? Daniel? Dave, David, Dave, sorry, David Leahy. Is that it? Yeah. So he said, you know, why don't you come work with me? And you made the comment of like, how do we work together, partner in some way? Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to take my company and work with David's company. If I look back on decisions I made, what a great decision. He has the exact same beliefs and values I do. Uh, He's an incredible um, uh, people uh, coach, driver, you know, just wants the best for everybody. And it was a, it was a perfect matchup, quite frankly. Uh, So I went uh, to partner with David on, um, on predictive success. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I love it because it's actually entailed everything I've done. You know, let's go back to, it's not a straight line, but isn't it funny how that line connects still. Mm -hmm. Right. So I look back and I think I was a salesperson, I managed sales forces. Then I ran big, big departments. Then I ran big, you know, countries and whatnot, but I didn't run them. The people ran them. That's the difference. And I, and I, uh, my, Passion is when I create that aha moment with somebody. When you coach them enough to they so they get it. All my results have been through people. So it was an absolute natural uh, progression for me to do this because I get to coach companies for uh, numerous things. How do I hire better? How do I get the right person in the right role? How do I inspire the current people that are in my organization? Because if if you're worried about all your hiring practices, but you're not worried, but you're not worried about me who's been working for you for ten years, there, there's an issue there, right? So I talk about hire, I talk about inspire, and then if we get that right, designing our teams properly, 
developing the leaders that run those teams uh, to a to a you know a high degree to get to our results. I often talk about Jordan. I talk about the four factors of disengagement in companies, and the four factors of disengagement are actually the four factors of engagement. So the four factors of disengagement are manager, right role, team, and company. Okay, so uh, manager, do I like the person that's leading my team? Do I do I get along with this person? Right role, am I in the right role? Or am I just doing a role for a paycheck right now? Team, do I feel like I'm part of the team? And when I say part of the team, I mean, you know, I always say, are you at the party and are you in the kitchen, right? So everybody knows the kitchen's where the party is, every single party you go to. So yes. it's up, people are sitting on the counter, you know, everybody's kind of hovering in the kitchen. Am I in the kitchen with everybody? And then what is the purpose of my organization? Those are the four factors. And you'll notice I didn't say, I didn't say in one of those four factors of disengagement, I didn't say salary. I didn't say hourly pay, right? Because it's so far down on the list. It's unbelievable. It's those four factors that say, hey, I want to be with a company or not. I want to stay here. I, I want to be here. So that's what I work with companies on. I look at that with them and I open their eyes to it. And I just say, hey, it, it, it's amazing how you, you, you go into these companies and they have every system in the world. They have an operating system, a marketing system, a sales system, a digital system, a social system, uh, a schedule. They have everything but they don't have a people system. And if you look at their P&L, the number one cost on their P&L and their finance statement is people. That's when I kind of break it down to the CEO and say, you've got insurance for everything in here, but you don't have something for, for the people that work here and the people that you're bringing in. And that's usually when you know the C-suite says, okay, I get it now. How do we do that? And that's when I come in. That's, yeah, so interesting. I mean, you know, before when we got introduced, shout out to Brad Furtney, who's been a longtime mentor of mine. I, I believe he hired you in your first role. Is that true? He did. Yeah. He was Charity. my first, uh, yeah. First uh, manager at Labatt's. Was that was, London, Ontario or where were you? I, no, I was in Toronto East. I was in Toronto and I started in a, in a, in a department at Labatt's called Inside Sales. And it was just a department on, you, you called on the bars that sold like one case of beer a week, right? You just hoped yeah. that that was your case of beer. And then the journey begins, right? You prove yourself there. Do better than the guy beside you. Uh, get up to the next level. Do better than the people on that side of you. Get up to the next level. And I, I you know, climbed my way up that chain. But it was Brad who actually said, hey, let's give this young guy a shot. Let's give him a try and uh, see what he has. And uh, yeah, he was the one who actually started that path for me. And uh, I, I still talk to Brad to this day. And, you know, I often say, we all remember great managers. We all, all remember bad managers, right? So hopefully remember that because if you're a manager, hopefully you're that great manager that people remember because you make a difference in somebody's day, right? You make a difference in their day, whether it's great or whether it's bad, right? So uh, Brad was a great manager for me. He, um, he uh, was a good coach, really let my entrepreneurial spirit come out. Like he let me try things, take risks. You know, there, sure there were systems and structures we had to follow, but follow but um he always let me try something new or do something different and yeah sure you know see if we can do it this way and and uh yeah he was a big uh supporter in my corner and uh yeah he uh he uh gave me that uh every young kid needs it right a a, a little a little uh support to say hey uh, go do it right yeah and he was the same for me i think he became uh my leader manager at the time when i was 26 27 and, you know, it, it is people remember the, the great managers, even to this day, what, 10 years later, he introduced me to Jason. Now we're having a great discussion. 
And I think where I, where I was thinking with that as well is, you know, I, I get introduced to you, you send me the predictive, um, the predictive index behavioral yep. assessment, you know, of course I'll admit it like disclaimer. I love this stuff. I'm into it. Some people aren't as much or they'll approach it with some, Oh, I don't really want to do this. And as I got into it, I was like, wait, there's two questions and I'm just picking words. And I'm like, how is this going to lead to much? And then we spoke and you had all of this data and insight on who I was and pretty much nailed it. And I was just yeah. like, how did that happen? Yeah. So is there anything you want to speak about without giving away the trade secrets of how your company uh, collects and, you know, digests that data and then rate makes it actionable for someone to understand? I'll start with this. I think that most people, when they, when they're in a company, the company, the people that, you know, manage them, they see what I call the briefcase. Okay. The briefcase is here's my resume. Here's my references. Here's my experience at other companies. You know, this is me. They know the briefcase well. They know the heart of it. The heart is your beliefs and your values. They know that through discussions and knowing that you're, you know, into, you know, uh, this hobby, you, you, you know, you, you're excited about this. These are your beliefs. But what they don't know is the head. And the head determines what drives us. Every human being has drives. And the thing that we have to remember is drives create needs. And if I need something, I'm going to behave a certain way. Okay. So drives create needs, needs create behaviors. Okay. What predictive index does is we give you two questions. We can find out what drives you, right? So it's two questions, picking some words. As you pick those words, they're weighted, right? Uh, as you pick one word, the weighting of the other words changes, et cetera, et cetera. And the algorithms created, it's not just the words you pick, it's the words you don't pick. And it kind of creates who you are, right? Then we have a very robust, um, report on you to know how you're going to behave. And that's when we understand the whole person. And the whole person is head, heart, briefcase, right? So when we know the whole person, now I can teach my leaders how to coach better. I can teach my leaders how that relationship is going to work between, uh, you know, uh, them and their team. I can hire to a role better because just as people have behaviors, so do roles, right? So if I have, if I know the roles behavior, and I know your behaviors, I'll tell you if you're a fit or not for that role. And if you're, if you're going to enjoy it and if it's not going to feel like work and if you're actually going to go there and think, ah, oh, this is just something I do and I excel at it because I love it. And it's not something I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I have to go do this today. Right. So that's what I unleash with, with uh, companies. I, I go in, I do a deep assessment of their leadership team, how they like to work together then we look at their current employees, you know, who's, who's where, are they in the right role, right person? If they're not in the right role, how do we coach them to make them feel better? How do we coach them to get performance out of them, to get them to the proper role? And then who are we hiring? What are, as a company, what do we need from that person to fit into the right role to drive my overall culture, right? Because culture, the big thing, Jordan, that people forget is great culture fuels my bottom line. And I explain this to leaders all the time. It is not a coincidence or something lucky or fluky that happens that companies with great culture make more money than companies that don't have great culture. It, it, it's, it's hard work, right? But when we work hard and we get that, it's, it's a lot of money as well. You nailed it there. With everything going on in the work world today and you obviously having this inside professional look at talent, what are the things you're hearing about? Uh, from your clients? What, what are their kind of concerns, their pain points? 
What a great question. Yeah. Well, I'll open it with this. Every leader, CEO, C-suite, entrepreneur, you know, president of a company of five or president of a company of 50,000, doesn't matter. Everybody has the same problems. And if you look at a, uh, a couple polls that I, I look at regularly, you know, out of the 12 main problems that leaders and CEOs face, 10 of them are people related. They're all people. Wow. Can I get my te- uh, leadership team on the same page? Uh, how do I get more productivity out of the current people on my team? How do I hire better? How do I find the right talent? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're all around people. People drive our business. It doesn't matter what system we have. Systems are run by people. It doesn't matter what uh, product I produce. Products are produced by people, right? So it's always a people problem. And I, I often say to leaders, I say at night when you're lying in bed and you can't sleep and you're thinking, ah, my mind's racing right now. Why can't I sleep? I promise you it's a people problem. I promise you it's a people problem. It's either about a loved one in your family that you're worried about. It's mm-hmm. either something in your company that you're thinking, why haven't I been able to get to her? Why doesn't? Why aren't we jiving right now? What's what's happening? Uh, why is he um, leading that way? How do I talk to him tomorrow? It's it's always a people problem. So when you say that, what is the kind of the pain point of leaders? It's it's always people, right? It just depends what kind of problem with people they're experiencing. And what I do is my approach is to agitate that pain point with them. Because when you agitate it, Jordan, you actually create action. You make them action it. Well, I know that's why I've had, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have great clients and had some great success because in my business, I, I, I work with you and I tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, when you're up in the higher ranks as a CEO, a CEO, president, VP, whatever your rank is, you know, it, it's lonely sometimes up there. And you, you sometimes wonder, am I getting the right information that I need right now? Because, you know, their team often agrees with them. You know, they think yes. that, well, my yes. team, they think that their team is being honest with them all the time and they're telling them, but, you know, it, it, that's just that's just a fallacy. That, that that doesn't happen, right? You you say, hey, when my leader is on this and they're so passionate about it and she's all over this right now, you don't want to be the person that says, hey, I think you might be going the wrong way right now. Are we going the right direction, right? So you hear what you want to hear. People rally around you. You need people to come in and say, hey, Here's a pain point. Here's what's actually happening. And I'm going to agitate that a bit. So you take action on it. And when you get those robust conversations, those robust conversations that sometimes sting a bit and sometimes hurt a bit, but when we get through it, we're tighter, we're a better company and we're getting better results. Man, you're glad you did it for sure. Is there any, uh, cause I agree with you when you have, when you kind of agitate a pain point or even, you know, I went went through an interview process about six months ago. I didn't take the job as my boss knows if he's listening to this. Brendan's a, an unbelievable leader that I have. I felt like as soon as I said to myself, I'm not sure I really want this job, but I'm interested in it. And I'm going to give them some feedback about what, what I would do if I was in their role. And I actually said to them, I don't think hiring this one resource is going to make you successful. I think you need to hire these two people. And it's probably a little different than my skill set. And here's why. Yeah. And I was blown away because then I, I received an offer. I didn't end up taking it, but I was like, wow, that's the first or second time I've really just in an interview process said how I feel. And I think the CEO really respected me for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you know what? The CEO needs, the CEO needs to hear that. They, it, like I said, it's lonely in that job. It's very lonely. And sometimes, you know, 
you know, w- when somebody's laughing at your joke a little too hard or somebody's, uh, <laughs> you know, saying yes all the time, yeah. that's, it, 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 you sometimes need to know, hey, was was that as funny as I thought it was? Or is it, you know, do I need to do a check and just make sure that I'm aligning myself with the right people at the right time and and getting what I need right now for my company, right? So you did that for him. By doing that for him, you agitated a pain point for him. So you, you basically, he had a thought or she had a thought, uh, this is where we need to go. By you saying, I actually think you need to go a different way, that's agitating a pain point because it's so simple to stay on the path we're on right now. It's so simple to say, wait a second, I've already done the work. I've done the pre-work. I've got the job posting up. I've got everybody. I've got the money for that position now. I've got the department where they're going to go. And then you come in and say, I'm not actually sure you should go that way. That's agitating the pain point, right? And when you agitate a pain point, you, you get action and you get different thought. Is there something people can work on listening to this so they can get better at, I don't know, it, it politely is probably not not the right word, but politely agitate helping people like agitate pain points or going about it in the right way without sounding like you know an asshole for lack of a better word right now. Yeah, great thought. My comment I usually say on that is respectfully challenge. So, and when I say respectful, like you said, you don't want to come across as I, I'm going to tell you how it should be and you're on the wrong path because you don't know how they got to that path. And guess what? You may be wrong as well. You can yes, be wrong. Yes. Yes. But you can have a respectful, challenging conversation and saying, open it up with, hey, you know, Jordan, great thought. I kind of see how you got here. I was wondering, have you ever thought of it this way? Have you ever taken this approach to it? Uh, as a company, what would it mean if we did it, you know, this way as opposed to that way? What road would we go down? Why Why did we choose this way? And that's what I call respectfully challenging. It, I I I don't do it in a way or don't like people do it in a way where you get their backup right away because now they're not listening. Then they don't listen because all they're thinking is, why are you being a jerk to me right now? Yes. And and you actually, I'm not listening to you now. I'm just mad at you. And I'm thinking, I just want to end this conversation. When you do it respectfully, you get them thinking. And I'm a big believer in uh, open-ended questions, mm-hmm. no yes or no answers. And having a discussion predictive success we excel at that getting that open-ended conversation and dialogue going right because uh it's too easy to say yes and no but it's it's harder to have a discussion but when we have a discussion and we're able to put our viewpoints in front of each other our discussions are more robust we get to the uh you know the root of the cause of whatever we're trying to solve quicker and we we make better decisions Yes, absolutely. Jason, I'm going to normally when I wrap up these episodes, I have three questions where I I just look for a quick, you know, quick response or thought from you, whether it's a few words or a phrase or two. But before I do that, you know, I I really do wish uh, your corporation, your company a lot of success. When you did the survey with me, it was, you know, very eye opening. I knew a lot of the things you mentioned, but I think sometimes you know who you are, but you don't necessarily sometimes believe it or you don't know if you're thinking about it in the right way. You know, I would encourage companies that are interested, please get in contact with Jason because this people stuff is so important and you're absolutely right that a lot of the challenges and pain points are people. And I think no matter how much technology continues to evolve, it's still going to be people that have created the technology and that run the systems, as you said. How can people find you, find out more about what you do and find out more about the company? How should they get in touch? Or My email, 
uh, Jay Taylor at pretentiousuccess.com. Like I said, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. I will get back to you for sure. Um, if you want to share that with them, I'm also obviously our website, uh, pretentiousuccess.com. Uh, but uh, yeah, if they email me, I will set up a 30 minute meeting with them. I'll discuss some pain points with them, uh, what they're looking to do. I encourage people, whether you're a company of, you know, five people, 50 people, 5,000 people, 50,000 people, you still have people in your organization. And that's the great thing about uh, my company is we tailor it to uh, the size of your company. So it's, it's, uh, we're able to customize something to the size of, you know, uh, your company. So it works well for you. And no, no pun intended there, right? Yeah, Jason that's Taylor, right. Taylor's that's right. it. Uh, that's so right. here, are the, here are the three questions to hit it off and to close out the, uh, the great episode and conversation we're having here with the listener. What gets you up every morning to drive your business forward? Uh, the, for, love, better work, better world. I love what I do. So it's not, I, I don't, I don't struggle to get out of the bed in the morning. I, uh, I like to, I deal with people every day and I, I look forward to the conversations and obviously uh, the, the more conversations and success I have, my family does better and uh, we do well. So I would say, yeah, just being in the right right role, right place, better work, better world gets me up in the morning. That's awesome. What, what advice would you maybe give yourself in your mid, mid to late 20s? If you think back, is there anything you tell yourself? Oh, loads. Yeah, I could write a book <laughs> on that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah but the, big, the, the biggest I would say is patience, right? Patience. Just, yeah, patience and think before, like I like I said earlier in this in this conversation, I, I I action and sometimes just you know be a little more strategic, be a little more uh, patient, be a little more th- methodical. I move fast, and when you're younger, you move faster than when you when you're you know. They often say when I'm 51 right now, and you think, man, I wish I had that knowledge when I was in my mid 20s, right? Or you look back at a decision you made or a way you handled something, and you say, wow, why did I do it that way? Right. Yes. Why did I do that? Like, who does that? And then, you know, I did that. Right. So I would just say, you know, sit back, reflect, digest, and then act as opposed to just acting. That would be the advice I'd give myself. And then is there anything from, say, your 20s or early 30s that you not necessarily regret, but but regret that you actually learned from and that helped you grow? The only thing I regret, and um, but it's it's a it's a it's a uh, it actually helped me, but at the same time, uh, I regret it. Is I regret that I didn't uh, start the entrepreneurship uh, route earlier. Okay, mm. so I started it at probably ten years ago. You know, uh, started doing the entrepreneurial thing and building my business and whatnot. But the journey up to there was was corporate. You got to remember. I do well, very well now because of the, the the relationships I made in that corporate world, right? So I do believe that there is some balance of corporate, learn, get trained, get your network going, and then going to the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial route. I just wish I did it a little sooner. I wish I did it, you know, probably five, six years sooner and and uh, took that, that risk a little uh, quicker than I did. And if you don't mind, 10 years ago, around what age were you when you started that on? So I'm 51 now. So I was about 41 when I started kind of saying, okay, let's go do some restaurants. Let's open up a franchise. Let's yeah. do some, I have a real estate company on the side, all that kind of stuff. I, I just said, let's kind of do that. I wish I started in my mid thirties, but hindsight's 2020, right? So I, I tell my own kids, I say it's cor- corporate world. I, I, I'm a big fan and I want them to go to the corporate world. So they have a network. 
So they learn. Yes. So they get all that amazing training that, you know, selfishly you don't pay for. You know, Labatt's paid for the best courses and the best systems and and uh, education in the world. I didn't pay a dime for it. Right? They wanted me to take a course. They paid for it. Right. And I look back at that and I think, wow, I got all that stuff, such, so much value, so many networks, uh, so many, uh, you know, contacts in my network where the normal consultant or coach uh, slash entrepreneur could try to get a meeting with somebody high in a company and it takes a long time. When you have that network and you work up at that network, you can get that pretty easy based on your relationships. That's the kind of, you know, yin and yang of it. Stay there, learn, get education, but jump off sooner and see what you can do in life. Well, and I think it also is a lesson that, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm late 30s or mid 40s. I'm too late to go on an entrepreneurial journey, right? You're no. a perfect example. You know, you, you prove that wrong. And we know there's many, many examples with you know, well-known entrepreneurs that didn't start. You know, you can even think of the McDonald's documentary, right? With yeah. The McDonald's, right? So, Yeah. Jason, thanks so much for taking the time this morning. Uh, it's really nice to get to know you and thanks for providing value and impact back. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jordan. And I have to tell you, I love the uh, name of this podcast because I believe in it wholeheartedly. It's not a straight line. And it is, awesome. uh, if you look back at your journey, any and anybody can do this. You know, you took this in school, you moved over here. Why did I go there? Then I jumped over here. Then I did across the pond this way. And you look back and you it's, it's it's amazing when you do that and, and your podcast actually and the name of it made me actually you know think of that stuff and i was like wow that what a great name for a podcast it's not a straight like i love it so thank you for having me and i really enjoyed our time thanks jason have a have an awesome day i really enjoyed it as well you too what did you take away from our chat today i'd love to know let me know on instagram at it's not a straight line or connect with me on linkedin if this episode was helpful, would you mind leaving me a review on whatever podcast app you use? I'd really appreciate it. You can always go back to previous episodes to hear more insightful conversations to help you build your own unique life. Thanks for listening to It's Not a Straight Line. Until next time.